Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show that's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. They will do you a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball, 15% on conveyancing until September as well. So go check that out. I'm Dan Moylan. With me is Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. So this is Propaganda, the podcast where we find out what's been said about Leeds United, both by you and by the opposition fans. If you're listening to the audio version, you can also watch it now on our YouTube channel. So first, in the first half, we will take a look at what we got right, wrong, or everywhere in between. TSB Plus subscribers sent us their feedback on the match ball, and this is what they said we got mostly right. And the occasional wrong point about the heavy defeat at Old Trafford Industrial Estate, which this could be a tough uh, a tough listen, but we'll get through it together. It's about sticking together, isn't it? Leeds United. The, uh, the clips of the scum fans were certainly hard to listen to. Trying to pluck out something that wasn't just... Complete smugness from them, which is understandable. I mean, we would have we would have been completely unbearable if we just beaten Man United five one. They are anyway, to be fair. That is true as well. I did watch one that's not included in this, but they are uh, at the when we equalise, the amount of abuse that they're giving to McFred is extraordinary. And then when Fred scores, it's somehow it's our fault. Fred was bantering us, right? Apparently, and uh, I don't know what that says about. Scum, but draw your own conclusions. So the feedback then, let's go in both feet on the manager, Marcelo Bielsa, and as Stan Collymore would tell you, he's a myth, he's nonsense. He's got nothing to do with the world of football, got none of it right. He needs to go and live in a gated community, Stan Collymore suggests. He's saying at time of recording, literally the minute before I sat down to speak to you all, that we could do better with a different manager who doesn't sit on a box and lives in a gated community instead of above a chiropractor's. <laughs> what, sorry, what, what was the argument there? That Bielsa should live in a, a gated community. But what benefit would that give him? He wouldn't be Bielsa. I think he's basically he's using the virtues, the things that everybody likes about Marcelo Bielsa that make him think, us think he's a wonderful human being against him. He lives above a chiropractor. What an idiot. <laughs> Why don't they get a proper manager with a proper house? How dare he not show his ostentatious wealth. I think it's absolutely disgusting. Um, I think Stan Collymore should invite him down to Cannock for a good old tear-up, which seems to be his main uh, point of call on, on arguments when he's backed into a corner. Poor old Graham Smith. I don't know if he's bumped into Stanley at this this season. It's really sad that I'm going to a wedding uh, in October and it's to the southwest of Birmingham. And as I was looking at the route on the route planner, you know, for the nearest Premier Inn, because we're going to go down, stay overnight the night before, I saw Cannock and the first thing I thought was, 
oh, I could go there for a, a punch up with Stan Collymore. Well, not that I would, but it's the. I mean, he would bat you. He's quite right. a big bloke. He is. He is. I'd, I'd take reinforcements. Anyway, um, Tom's going in on Bielsa this time. He said, We love Bielsa, but he is on the naughty step for this game. Wilkinson was sacked for one scum thrashing. Yes, the PLC wanted him to go anyway. And Marcelo has such credit that we can endure consecutive old toilet thrashings. It's a fair point. I mean, Phil Hay on The Athletic wrote that Bielsa has to shoulder this one. So is it is it fair game to say that he got this one wrong? Well, it didn't go right, did it? No. <laughs> um, I think the result stands, um, stands alone, doesn't it, as being something that obviously went horrendously wrong. And the midfield thing I mean we had people picking up on why Calvin wasn't wasn't in the team Paul noticed in that he didn't play any part but then other England players featured so had Maguire and Shaw and maybe in the the fullness of time we will see that this was the right decision and it'll keep Calvin off the treatment table and fresher for later in the season and maybe it was an experiment to see if Cock would work to see if we can now just buy a midfielder instead I always look for the positives in these things with Bielsa because he's been right so often but I didn't like that midfield at all. And Man United, I think it's fair to say, loved it. We don't really have a midfield anyway. It's um, I'll keep wondering if this is going to be more apparent once we can watch games in the stadium again, because I think the TV, with it only focusing on like a third of the pitch at the time, has denied us that overall view that you get inside the stadium. But Bielsa's formation at times is like a big circle around the pitch with nobody in the middle and all we really use the middle of the pitch for is you might send click in there to facilitate a pass going from one wing to the other but we concentrate everything down both sides and even when Pablo Hernandez was nominally our number 10 he was Phil A uh, named him a, a false seven because he was generally playing on the right wing and then moving into that space and the idea is that's just a big gap that we just play around and over and through but we're, we're not a team that has a, a bunch of players in the centre circle running things and neither were scum on Saturday in particular the the problem we had with their goals was we kept giving the ball away in attacking positions and before we had the time to mark up to Paul Pogba and stop him from doing anything he'd made a goal 70 yards away and it was the second unfair? goal is that the it was unfair the, the second goal uh, if you took if you changed the the kits and you turned it into France versus Portugal or something as somebody who likes seeing good things done with a football I would watch that goal and I'd go that's a fucking incredible goal to take the ball from where Pogba picked it up and within seconds to have it in the net 80 yards away to see that run and to play that pass was just phenomenal and it's, it's, it's coming out again isn't it? Know, it is coming out I was just thinking that and yeah, that's what he kept when doing. When we have these clips in the second half it'll be Moscow putting on a man accent the, uh, oh United's through ball play were great the first goal's the same we're attacking we're all set up to attack because it's Melier's goal kick. Pogba gets it before anybody can get close to mark him. Bang, the ball's in the net. And um, what was the other one? It was... A good through ball. Yeah, which was after Bamford went full Becchio, didn't he? Um, with his first touch. And then, yeah, again, before anybody can stop him, Pogba's made a goal. And the fifth one was us on the edge of their penalty area and Rafinha kind of runs to Pogba, he starts to move, then Pogba's at the other end and Rafinha's followed him a bit, but then doesn't get close to him and Pogba sets up Fred. So it's all basically the fact that we came up against a £89 million player who is capable almost, I don't know, he might be unique in the Premier League, capable of making a goal from the edge of his penalty area with one pass at the other end of the pitch. I don't know, when we play Everton, it's not going to be 
you know, I don't even who plays in midfield for Everton. Barry Horn is not going to be playing an 80-yard pass through to Paul Rideout in the blink of an eye before Calvin Phillips, hopefully. On, on YouTube now, are really appealing to that younger generation. There just, you go. It's just Daniel Amakachi's pace. That's what we need to, be, need to be wary of. I think the frustration with the goals for me watching them back was that you can see where it's a failure of our system because it's not like there aren't enough defenders there to stop them sometimes. It's just they're doing other things because they're expecting a midfielder to be tracking the run of Fernandez. So you've generally got Robin Cock just out of picture, remembering he's got to run after him. But by that point, it's too late. But then in a different system, I guess you have you have players organised so you know that if the ball goes into a certain area, that's that's the centre-back's territory or whatever. And you're, that's, you're saying that, zonal marking is what we should be doing, aren't you? I'm not saying it's what we should that's, be doing. You're telling Bielsa that his system is wrong. But mind yeah, you, I'm so- definitely not. It's just, that, it's just that it does expose it. You can see what has gone wrong in these goals, I think is what I'm saying. Based on what Moscow is saying, we do have to add that Pogba is going to stiff them in the summer and leave and probably go mm. to PSG. So we won't have to deal with him next year and we'll beat them. Does, um, everyone, does everyone just go to PSG eventually? Is that the way football is heading? Just, yeah, yeah. Just, just one, every, one big squad yeah. of, of everyone. And okay. They might loan some players out when they've got too many. But anyway, back to the um, to the feedback. And Simon does go in on Bielsa says he's an intelligent man. He knows that Cock and Rodrigo doesn't work in midfield. So why? Was it a message to the board, to the players? Just felt like it. Um, Ryan from Australia. Is it time to question God's methods? Could Leeds benefit from slightly altering our attacking tactics or at least adding alternatives? Like, so it gets into mad shit like swapping Bamford with Rodrigo and all sorts of crazy stuff that way beyond our, our pay grade, I think. Jim also pointing the finger at, at Marcelo Bielsa. He says the midfield was wide open in capital letters, which obviously adds emphasis. It's Roger, who I think we need to keep an eye on, who's gone in. He's gone in over the ball with both feet and some follow through afterwards and then they're probably still scrapping in the car park after this. Bielsa's dark side, his arrogance, persisting with strikers and centre-backs in midfield, resting Phillips so he'd take a Man U pasting two years in a row, playing Kiko as captain at the end of last season, playing Harrison as centre-forward second half against Crawley, reserve teams in the Cups, has his favourites, e.g. Costa, Kiko and Roberts. This feels like a relationship with a an underlying resentment that all of a sudden occasionally comes out after a few too many drinks. It's just like, yeah, and there was that thing. What was Kiko all about then? It's like, it's gone now. It's fine. We can move on from it. But, but yeah, he's not necessarily wrong in all of those things, but he also tries things, doesn't he? And he persists with things because he, he has a, I guess he has a, a feeling in his bones that they will eventually work and probably something in the stats that suggests it can work, whether or not it takes like, Eight consecutive years of being beaten by he he unwa- he's unwavering from his methods, rightly or wrongly, and I think that's probably ultimately what his downfall is: is that he's completely inflexible with it, and occasionally the result of it is taking an absolute pasting like this. Like Calvin was picked out by Mike and Paul as well. Said, uh, given that he normally walks straight back into a Bielsa first eleven and the significance of the fixture, he should have gone in. And it's pointed out by a number of people that uh, Manu's. England players featured in this game. All right, just, you know, Sancho was used sparingly, but still, some of the others, like, you know, Maguire at the back, you put your essential players in, don't you, for the big games? And I agree with that. I think I think he got it wrong on that front. He should have put him in. Watch them all break down one by one as the season goes on. I've put something on the Square Ball blog about this, about the, the comparison between Calvin Phillips and Thomas Brolin and mentioning Howard Wilkinson getting sacked before it wasn't just for the scum 4-0 but leaving Brolin on the bench was also a big black mark against him after the Coca-Cola Cup final but I watched um, there's a video on YouTube an interview with Benoit Delaval our first team fitness coach I think it's the Pace and Power 
podcast, but there's a link in what I've written. And he uh, he's very nice, actually. You don't often hear from Bielsa backroom staff. So an hour in the company of Benoit is, is great. It starts, he's asked to give a, um, a, like to introduce himself. And it's like, I don't know if you still get in schools a foreign student teacher who will come and introduce himself to the class. But Benoit does exactly, he says, I am Benoit Delaval. I'm 37 years old. I am married. I have two children. I come from a town in northern France called Lille. And to help you uh, understand where Lille is, it's uh, however many kilometers from Paris. It's 200 miles from uh, from Berlin. And he doesn't quite get into... Is that one of our twin towns? Yes. uh, Along with Dortmund. He doesn't quite get into, you know, what the, the local industries are, what the economic GDP is, but it's a great intro. And then 45 minutes later, he's like, gym work? What gym work do you want to know about? Do you want power or do you want strength? So he's really good. And he is asked about pre-season and it's, this is recorded in May and he's cautious about saying that there is a, an ideal pre-season because, and this is kind of interesting about what the, where the players are at now, because but since he's come to the club, the first one, he was dealing with the previous coaching staff's pre-season plans. So he couldn't do a lot about that. The second summer, we had the Australia trip, so we had to work around that. Then the third one was COVID, and now we've got this one. But he said um, a lot depends on how much vacation time the players have had, how many weeks they've had to come back. That's a big factor. And then ideally, you'd have five weeks of training before the start of the week, before the first game. So up to and including the Villarreal match, you'd want five weeks. And you want all the players to have had three lots of 90 minutes in friendlies. And if you look through the Leeds team on Saturday, eight of them had that. Then Rodrigo and Bamford are just below 270 minutes. Cooper is, I think he's 90 minutes short of it, but obviously Llorente being injured means there's no choice. And then Calvin in pre-season has played a total of 90 minutes. So Calvin is way off his kind of assumed idealistic, if everything's great, target of where a, a preseason player or where a player should be at the end of preseason. So I don't think it's as simple as just saying if he's fit for the bench, especially not now you can have nine players on the bench, so you may as well just have him there and let him go through the warm up and the warm down and use that to get some fitness into him. But having come off the Euros, having had a short vacation, having come back late, having not played as many minutes as anybody else in the squad, being nowhere near Delaval's target and having all the load monitoring data science that they now have when they had them up at Carnegie Sport to get baseline figures and then they, they see the data every day in training. I don't think it's as simple as going like it used to be when David Batty would rock up with a can of Coke and he'd just 10 to 3 and, and wouldn't warm up and go and play. It's not as easy as going, do you feel all right? Do you want to play? He'll say yes, but they must have enough to say, no, it's too soon for for Calvin Phillips for this game. And if the, the net result is that he is fitter for longer during the rest of the season, then you just got to say, well, it's unfortunate. It's the fucking, it's the fixture computer's fault that we played scum first, isn't it? And it's worth noting that um, Manchester City, they left De Bruyne on the bench, um, Zinchenko, all their other really good players. I think Sterling started. They played that waste of space Grealish though, didn't they? They did, but there was was a, a significant number of their players from the Euros who were left on the bench. Admittedly, they also lost. So... (laughs) It is a it is a, a balancing act, but Bielsa's legacy is passing on bad ideas to other people. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Should we have just conceded this one and taken the three nil default result? <laughs> would have been better than five one. It, it would have been more. Um, just talking about 
scum, by the way. Aiden singles this one out. We've all seen the image. The scum fan with the half and half scarf and the scum shirt on. Why people get them is beyond him. Tin pot supporters. Tourists, I think they are. And just following on from that, Paul does ask, um, how did you celebrate the result, by the way, Moscow? And where have you put your half and half scarf? It's weird. I always assume half and half scarves are something that people just don't buy. But they keep getting made, don't they? I wonder if burning the factory down is probably the only solution. I know that we we were burning a lot of things down last season, yeah. VAR, but that has worked. Like the threat of burning down Stockley Park, they've modified all their... I think, um, you're, I think you're advocating terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly dodgy ground. I mean, I mean, is, is the threat of arson out and out bona fide terrorism or is it just, just leaning on someone? <laughs> I guess maybe it's more of an old-fashioned... Maybe this Like is, the craze might have done it or something. I, I know Levi's don't do criminal law, but... It's more of a gangster move, isn't it? They could probably let us know, advise on that, the whole arson thing and, and terrorism. <laughs> yeah, anyway, let's move on. Um, yeah, Andy being is probably being the most sensible on this, saying, considering the gulf in the transfer budget, would we have felt as gloomy if we'd lost 5-1 at the other Manchester team? Which is a fair point. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been as bad, would it? Or as unexpected in some ways, but... He rightly does point out that unfortunately they do have some really good and expensive players, and not and not just the players that started. Either. The whole squad is like they're bemoaning we don't have enough midfielders, and they bring on Matic. They've got Van der Beek who can't get a game for them. You know there are there are hundreds of millions of pounds worth of players. Phil Jones, <clears throat> he's uh, still there. So, <laughs> and if you remember the start of last season when we beat Liverpool, we did also concede four. It was just that we happened to score five and we got the the win and you know we weren't close to scoring four against these, but Luke Ayling obviously got his net buster in. Click had that decent effort. Tyler Roberts, and I was gonna go back, I would dispute the idea that Tyler Roberts and Helder Costa are Bielsa's favourites, considering they start every game on the bench. I don't think that's particularly favouritism. But Tyler Roberts, in the few minutes he was on the pitch, made an absolutely brilliant chance for Rafinha that if Rafinha wasn't such a moody bastard who doesn't track back and was having an absolutely dreadful day on Saturday, should have buried. So that gets us a little bit closer. And the other side of the Calvin Phillips not playing part is that Robin Cock did play and couldn't get anywhere close to Bruno Fernandes in one direction and he couldn't get the ball and play out the way Calvin Phillips does in the other direction, and it reminded me quite a lot of when we played Manchester City at the start of last season, and the, for the first half an hour of that, Calvin Phillips couldn't get on the ball, he was giving it away constantly, they were pressuring him, I think that's how uh, Sterling's goal came about, was because we were struggling to play out through Calvin Phillips, because City had done the same thing that Scum did, of crowding round him with four attacking players, and removing all the space so that we couldn't get the ball to our defensive midfielder and play out from there. And it felt like, on reflection, that game on Saturday was Robin Cox, kind of Manchester City, Calvin Phillips lesson. Like He's now gone through it. Phillips in that game got the hang of it by half-time. Robin Cox maybe needs a little bit more education or just to not play there anymore. But there's not huge differences in the things that were going wrong in this game compared to what was going wrong last season. But we couldn't score the five goals that we did. <laughs> I think <laughs> as well, Liverpool. adapting for Calvin Phillips when he was learning that position, it was it was just dropping a bit deeper in midfield. Robin Cox trying to do it, stepping out of defence, and it is a very it's a more difficult job in a lot of respects. I know central defenders would probably dispute it, but 
just having to have the full awareness of what is around you and not just think about defending as well. You've got to actually have one mind on getting forward sometimes as well. It, it, it is hard. So when, You pointed this out on the website, didn't you, Moscow? Like, yeah, you, you've got to have an awareness uh, behind you as well as in front. When he's marking Fernandez and he's running behind him, it looks like a centre-half who is used to having Fernandez in front of him. And so he would always be the last defender. So he always knows where Fernandez and all the other players are. Whereas when he's having to play in front of the defenders, he's got a different job because he's got to be aware of a player behind him and in front of him and where he's Greenwood really, and all sounds this. really difficult. And I think, yeah. well, as a centre-back, someone, someone runs in behind you, you can go, that's fine, he's offside. Yeah. And they go, oh shit, there's a whole defence there playing him onside. It is, it is difficult. And especially against Bruno Fernandes, who, again, to you know reiterate my adoring love for Paul Pogba, I've put one of Fernandes up on the wall next to his <laughs> poster. But the movement, it's those two things that I was thinking about. The, um, is John McGinn still at Aston Villa? Because him, probably, he's not going to be pinging passes through to Danny Ings the way that Pogba is pinging them through to... Bruno Fernandez and Fernandez, I don't, I noticed him. His, it's not just that he could bamboozle Robin Cock and run away from him, but on the uh, third goal, he manages to somehow engineer it so that Robin Cock runs into Liam Cooper. He turns because he ran so close to Cooper, he turns them into like Laurel and Hardy. It's like he's ducked out between and left them to go smack into each other, and then he's running away with the ball, and um, and it was r- right into where. Furpo had just left left back to go forward, passed into Pat Bamford. Bamford did his Becchio act with his first touch, and then immediately Pogba's passing into that space. Fernandez is running to where Furpo had been. He's trying to get back, and it's just players thinking and acting in split seconds that the rest of the Premier League don't have players who are capable of doing that. Um, it's just really upsetting for us, given our historic rivalries with this shower of bastards that they have all the players who can do that and you know we need to find uh, some way of get if we if we can't improve our squad at the the pace necessary to get close to the the teams who finished top two last season the only other solution i can think of is need to get their players off them <laughs> yeah so Pogba to paris i'm absolutely in favor of that somebody needs to come in with a bid for Bruno Fernandez taking back to Portugal or us. He's mates with Rafinha. That was a bit of a mm. uh, a thing after the game because Rafinha liked a post by him on Instagram celebrating his goals. But they're mates from back in Lisbon, aren't they? Yeah, but put, so it, bring put him, it aside for a day, eh? So bring him to play for us. Yeah. That solves a problem. Let's let's finish on something positive on the feedback. And that's number one, Nathan picks out the fans and how uh, good they were throughout. And then let's not get into the, the politics and the complexity of... Munich and Turkey and all that shit. Uh, it's still to come in propaganda, don't worry. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's there to be discussed, but not in this bit. So the volume of the fans throughout never stopped singing, even at 5-1 down, which is credit, and they were good all the way through to the, to the final whistle. And Ailing's goal, Tom Cole picks that out, the wonder strike, bookending the pandemic. Actually, when you think about it, last time we had fans in, Huddersfield, Volley, Old Trafford, there, I mean, I know we had West Brom in between times, but it doesn't really count, does it? No, that didn't, that didn't count. And it does... It does show our progress through this this period, doesn't it? I suppose the fact that Luke Healing is at Old Trafford to to do that is probably something we would have accepted um, if someone had said someone had said to you at that Huddersfield match in you know eighteen months time, two years, whatever it has actually been. It feels like about ten years. The next time you, fans are in, you're going to be seeing Luke Healing at Old Trafford. You'd have been like, "Yeah, fine, I will, I will accept it." What what's the result going to be? Five one. Oh shit. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> Relegators immediately. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right then, deep breaths, everybody. It's going to be okay. We will get through this. You're going to hear some noises now that are a little unpleasant. But... But, um, Monk Fred. It's what we have to do. It's what we have Honk to do. Bar. Webby and O'Neill. Webby and O'Neill, we don't last year. Um, I clipped them all up to make them sound daft last year. Then Moscow informed me that he was the most dangerous man in the world or something along those lines. And this year they've got the advantage of being able to see what we look like on YouTube. So they can probably be judging up right now whether they can take us. And I think they can. Uh, yeah, I mean, they could. What I do like about Webby and O'Neill is, is the dynamic here. In the, I think Webby's got top billing because he comes first on the on the names list. Webby and O'Neill feels to me like O'Neill does a lot of the heavy lifting here. Well, I mean O'Neill, the, the characteristic of them last year was that O'Neill spoke a lot and Webby went, yeah, 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 in the background. And Webby also said Manchester United a lot. This football club, Manchester United Football Club, we're Manchester United, we're Manchester United, Manchester United Football Club. He did that. And when you look at it, we are Manchester United. And that that's is what not you... a Manchester United performance. That's what you saw in there. You saw Manchester United being Manchester United. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll see how they've come on. That crowd, everyone what was in there, yeah. unbelievable. What an atmosphere. What an occasion. The world was watching that. Yeah. We've seen Manchester United there, Webby, yeah. right? That's the football of old. Yeah. That's what we want to see. We don't want to see tippy-tappy at the yeah. back, one man going forward, this, that. This is Manchester United. Sorry, think, as well as what a squad! Yeah. It's a nice relationship. I would like a hype man to that extent. That's what we're here for, isn't it? Well, I don't hear much. Yeah. yeah. I need that yeah. positive yeah. reinforcement yeah. when I'm sounding off about Calvin Phillips' fitness. If, yeah. I could, if I could get a little bit of a yeah. yeah in the background, I might feel a bit more confident about my rubbish yeah. opinions. Their opinions, though. Absolutely sound. Can't fault a single word of uh, of what these two fine, upstanding, strong gentlemen <laughs> have to say. And if that's all you've got to do, just say stuff, make noises on the internet, to yeah. have, have a YouTube channel. Yeah. Then I mean, I know I'm, all, I'm all for it. We're new to YouTube, but we've yeah. been doing this for ten years on the um, yeah. on the on the, yeah. the the wireless. What what was uh, it's radio, isn't it? That's what they call it. <laughs> 
the television without the pictures. Yeah. 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 Enjoyed that. Thanks, lads. Great bunch of lads. On to Stratford Paddock, who... Are these a bit weaker? Um, we could probably take some of them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. We are, we are quite a, a puny let's bunch, to be fair. Let's, 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 let's just not fight him. That's the easiest would, way. Could we kiss any of them? Um, wouldn't really want to. No, not knowing okay. we're still not post-COVID yet, are we? So oh, just hold back on that until... Old elbow, exactly. elbow bump. Yeah. Uh, so what have they been saying? Well, this is the one acceptable bit I could pluck from it, which was them getting upset about Luke Ayling scoring. One of them absolutely hates Luke Ayling, which I found a little bit surprising. How can you hate Luke Ayling? But anyway, the rest of it was far too smug, so I've um, chosen not to bring it to you because it's awful. What a goal. Oh my what God, a goal. Just scored an absolute banger. Oh, it's Luke Ayling as well, the prick. <clears throat> it was absolute rocket, that. You knew oh, as, as soon as he lined so that up. fucking time there. As soon as he lined that up, you saw that and you thought, geez, well, I said it wasn't going to stay 1-0, didn't I? Yeah. Just what no a goal to it. score at fucking Old Trafford as well. Oh, no yeah, he's not, he's not getting anywhere near No, that it's not day. his fault. It's, it's the fact that the midfield and defence between them can't close down. Oh, you so frustrated to be, that. To be fair as well, to be fair to Luke Ayling, who I absolutely despise, <laughs> um, he's still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's a hate from there. It's a great finish. The other thing I noticed about the reaction to this goal at, at their end, we worry about, you know, why does a match as clear or Stuart Dallas get closer to Paul Pogba in midfield? But they were all, until they scored the next four goals, livid with the state of Paul Pogba for not closing down Luke Ayling for that goal. And they paid £89 million for, for him. So it is possible to be very expensive and lazy. What did we pay for Luke Ayling? Didn't it turn out that it was like £200,000? Yeah, it was nothing. So we've got a £200,000 footballer up against an £89 million footballer and a calculator. That's a lot of difference, Moscow. Yeah, it's big, isn't it? Are you doing £89 million divided by two? Are you seeing how many Luke Aylings you could buy for the same money? Yes. Is that what you're working out? Okay, good. And it's 445 and imagine 445 Billy Ailings running at whoever this clown is who doesn't like him. That would be great, wouldn't it? The bloke who absolutely hated Luke Ayling for no obvious reason, he's called Freddie Quinn, who I believe is, um, I've seen him on Twitter and stuff, interacting with Rob Mulholland, who is obviously a Leeds fan, a man with a square ball tattoo. But as well as really hating Luke Ayling, he was really upset by our chance, which we will have seen. And he's not talking about the, the Munich ones and stuff. This is about the chance directed at Rashford and Sancho, they let the country down stuff. And I think for a stand-up comedian, he's a bit sensitive. We're going to be pro-United in a minute, but for a little anti-Leeds stuff, I don't mind it, because some of the stuff that we've seen on social media of their fans is about as shit and vitriolic as you can get. Well, so they can... We, 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 this, this is another thing on as well. But, sorry to, yeah, go so, to go on a little rant here or something go like for this, it. but I, I really feel like this needs saying. So some of the Sancho and the Rashford chants mm. outside of the uh, ground today, right? Mm. I don't want to tar an entire football club because of some dickheads. There's not yeah. fair to do that, even though it's Leeds. But if UEFA and if the FA and if FIFA are genuinely serious about kicking racism out of football, if they want to make it out like this, this kneeling before a game is mm. is is real commitment, if it's if, if they want to believe that taking the knee is anything more than a tokenistic gesture, mm. they need to look at chants like that and they need to punish the the club and the players mm. uh, appropriately. Because otherwise, what are we doing this for? I mean, what? <laughs> He's taken some big leaps there. Some huge, think. huge leaps, yeah. The thing about this is this, the, the kind of song that was being sung about Rashford and Sancho and then by 
Manchester City fans on the weekend as well, is a codified part of cricket. People at cricket games on the pitch love that stuff. Sledging. You go out with your your bat and all the people stand around you and basically slag off your wife and your kids and make fun of your career and rip you to shreds for every little it's thing bit, that you've like ever this, done. This podcast, isn't it? <laughs> and it's all <laughs> applauded and it's all laughter. It's all everybody sees that as a as a fun part of the game. And I think this chant came under the same heading. If I met Marcus Rashford today, if I sat down with him and had a, a chat, I would say, bad luck on missing that penalty. That must have been really terrible. Well done on feeding all those hungry children. I think that's brilliant what you do. Seem like a really good guy. I hope you have a terrible season. I hope you don't score a goal. I hope you don't get an assist and I hope your team gets relegated because that's exactly, that's where the it all comes down and all it's about is just trying to get into a footballer about something they've done wrong to put them off. It's not anything FIFA should get than, involved. It's it, really nothing bigger than It's playground than stuff. That. Yeah. The UN. Why aren't the UN on the phone to Angus Kinnear this morning demanding an invasion of Ellen Road probably to, to get rid of those people? I once interviewed Roberto Martinez when he was manager of Everton and he was lovely. It was like a fantastic conversation and then he hung around for photos. He was... He couldn't have been nicer. And at the end of it, I said, uh, hope you have a, a good season, but you better lose to Leeds and I hope you... Uh, oh, no, we were still in the championship. It was, um, but we're going to come up and um, I hope you go down. I think was the, the, the way we left it pretty much. But it was all just like an understood thing of we're getting along here. We're having a, a, a chat about the football. But when it comes down to it, I hope your team does terribly and I hope my team does better than, than yours. And that's that, there's really nothing more to that than... Than this, it's only I don't know what the what is served by trying to turn it into something much bigger than it really is. If if it had been Maguire and Shaw missing those penalties, exactly the, the same, the songs. exact same song would have been. Well, it might not fit quite well, as look well. At, look at but, Beck, people, but the same thing. Beckham is the example yeah. as well. It just it did happen. We sang it, at Rob. I remember singing it, at Rob Green, once as well. I think yes. when he was playing for West Ham, probably, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'd maybe forgiven him by that point. But yeah, it's this thing. It's a thing. It's fine. Every game you sing at players, Cantona wasn't actually shit. It's social media and the fact that because everyone's got social media and it's there, they feel the need to have an opinion on something. It's the hot take commodity, isn't it? Everyone's got to have a hot take on a thing and have an opinion because it's there to be used. You know, it's, it's constantly pestering you what's on your mind, that kind of thing, you know, yes. in the box where you type your words in. Just you don't have to have an opinion on it. Some things can just be normal. It's much easier to report this kind of stuff than it is to report the news. And people know that it's an easy way of generating all the attention on social media and such. And it's it involves people who really have nothing to do with it. It's a chant in a football stadium. And as long as it's within regular bounds, as we said, the, the Turkish flag and the, the Munich chants, the kind of thing where everybody kind of knows that's not on. And it's hurtful in a way that we shouldn't be... Uh, standing around and, and tolerating. I think nobody should be setting out to to push buttons about real personal matters in that way. But when it's just football fans winding up players and winding each other up, there's no reason for anybody who isn't at that football match to be tutting over it in a, a newspaper because it's essentially I mean it's a it's a score draw when it comes down to to this champ because Leeds fans sang Rashford and Sancho, you let your country down. And their team beat ours 5-1. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, you go home and everyone's yeah. like, right, yeah. 
That's done. <laughs> yeah. We tried, it didn't work, and and yeah. everybody understands what's going on. It's only when it's always uh it used to be the trope of the um the vicar on reading the Sunday newspaper when they oh this is how how can this possibly be this is allowed an, to go an outrage. on? Imagine all the things that go on across the country, not in football stadiums, that are absolutely horrendous that you don't know anything about. There's a lot worse going on out there than uh, Sancho and Rashford being wound up. Yeah, with the Turkey and, and, yeah. the, the, and the Munich <laughs> stuff, like that is just it, we've talked about it before in relation to Millwall. It just feels like a real daft arms race to be like who can make the most upsetting chant and who can do the worst thing. It's like with Millwall, we kind of came to a decent spot by the end where they would still be people with Turkey flags or Galatasaray shirts, or whatever. And people used to sing "Boring, Boring Millwall" at them because it was like, "Yeah, you're doing the, you're doing that thing. We know about it because this is man because this is Manchester United." <laughs> It is different and it's been so long since we played them in a league game and all that sort of stuff. I, I would like it in future if there's someone with a turkey flag there. It would be nice if everyone just L- it, just, just absolutely ignored them because yeah. then you'd just be a, a grown man in his 30s who's gone and bought a turkey flag off the internet well, thinking, also, this will be fucking hilarious. Am I right, lad? And everyone will just go, all right. Well, this, this is the, you just this, look an idiot now. This is the thing. Even though you're kind of trying to weaponize people's deaths and murder, as a form of retribution to one another, it is still rooted in the playground and infantile behaviour, isn't it? Because you're just having cheap, the cheapest shots you can get at each other, which actually spills over into into murder and death. And it's it's fine sat here in this studio being all, but let's condemn that. Well, it's like, look, it's in bad taste, but it is a discussion that's broader than something you can fire off in 280 characters. Because somebody did tweet us over the weekend saying, you lads should be condemning this. And I thought, well, What's the point of us condemning this on Twitter? Because all it will do is it will create a bun fight within our own fans, where those who will say, "Well, they shouldn't have done this," and we know they shouldn't have done that. I don't. I don't like the Munich chants. I don't sing them. I've never sung them. I find them distasteful. But equally, I also understand why it was done in that context. And the difficulty is, it's all right, very well sitting here saying it'd be good, nice if people ignored it, which I believe it would. But there were people in Old Trafford who were in. Istanbul on the night that happened who who may know the people involved and stuff and I would completely appreciate for those people it is very very difficult to turn yeah. the other cheek likewise I can see why Man United fans would get annoyed about Munich songs it's uh, it serves no one I think is the is the end result of it I've never imagined for a second that I can sit here and condemn anything and anything will happen <laughs> so it's like okay I don't think it's a very good thing to be singing yeah, but, but, I, also, but I don't think I'm going to be able to stop anybody. Yeah, and I don't think even, I mean, we've got a fairly sizable social media presence, but I'm a bit uncomfortable with telling people what to do. It's, mm. It just doesn't feel like it's it's in our gift to do that. I think everybody who's singing that Munich chant, if you sat them down in the cold light of day, said, do you think that's right? They'd all say no. Yeah. Whereas to contrast with the, the chants about Sancho and Rashford, they would go, well, yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's only football. Yeah, that's it. That was it. The Sancho and Rashford thing is a chance about things that happened in a football match to wind up some football. That's, that's the thing. So the, it's fine. You can't really let your country down playing football. Not, no. not really, because it's just a game at the end of the day. I mean, Marcus, you, Marcus Rashford's probably done some good stuff for the country. But he's done more for the country than, let's face it, most of the, the current elected MPs. So to say he let his country down because he, he did a daft run upon a penalty is, you know, a stretch. But it's fine to sing that he did yeah. because it might upset him temporarily, and even though he wasn't even on the pitch. The, the fact that we're having to say this and spell it out, I think deep down everyone knows that. But again, we Does go, Freddie Quinn know that? Well, maybe not. But we, we go back to this this economy of, of hot takes and having to have an opinion on stuff and not just an opinion. It has to be a polarised opinion because that's what 
that's what attracts most attention. It doesn't have to be like that. There is, around the, the Turkey and the Munich stuff, there is probably a nuanced discussion to be had about using death as a means to try and, like I say, enact retribution on a crowd. But not in a football stadium. You can't have that discussion among, you know, you can't sit everybody down in, in that end of, a, of the Man United stand and say, well, could you just explain to us why you've brought that flag? And then say to the Leeds, well, do you think it's right to sing Munich back? <laughs> it's, you know, let's have some common sense around it and, and appreciate it. it's really distasteful. I really, I don't like to see it, but it's happening for a reason, even yeah. if we don't like that reason. A part of the reason is, as Michael touched on there, that we've not been in the Premier League for so long. So I do think we may be into in for a bit of a season of this because what happened in the championship was we got rightly bored of what uh, Millwall and Sheffield Wednesday were singing about Savile as well. It kind of, it faded out because it just became so familiar. We got bored and nobody could be really provoked into responding again. Whereas this season, especially after a year for everybody indoors is very much like the comeback tour and it's all everything that's been stored up not just over the 16 years we weren't in the Premier League but then the extra season when nobody could have a go at each other I think there is going to be kind of a a season of going from stadium to stadium singing the worst possible things at each other as anybody can come up with and then maybe once it's all out of everybody's system next season we can um, remove segregation and mingle as uh, home and away fans and handshakes just, uh, handshakes sing. in the Stretford end it was always um, Howard Wilkinson's dream I always remember this and it's a bit of a idealism but his his question throughout the time he was a football manager and it is a an interesting question about human nature is why do we have to put fans of different teams behind fences and keep them apart from each other when it is just the game so there is a um quite a big sociological question about why that's even necessary in the first place i don't think it's going to be solved now i think there's a generational thing there as well because it's the first time we play them in such a long time this is the first opportunity for a whole group of people to have that Man United away experience and what do you do at Man United you have a bit of a fight and you sing some songs that upsets them and it's whether or not that is just like a it's almost a it's not a learned behaviour really because it's not something we've done it's just people have gone well that seems like it would be the right thing to do so I'm going to do it because I'm committed to being a Leeds fan and- It's a watched behaviour as well I mean I think we've said before about the um, with the European Super League proposals of the Premier League since 92 it was formed to kind of clamp down on hooliganism but then it marketed itself on the passion and the, the songs and the the ferocity of the of a premier league stadium it's an atmosphere unlike any other i mean you can go to have a look at some of the south american matches when you watch the copa libertadores and people are like wrapping scaffolding poles around each other's faces and getting games called off and stuff but that it markets itself very much on that and once hooliganism was kind of a safe remove that's when all the books came out and all the films came out sort of talking about how great it was. And that's been a part of how the Premier League is kind of sold around the world and why it's so popular is because it's seen as having that edge. Then you go into a stadium and actually 95% of the people in a Premier League stadium now are wearing half and half scarves and they're, they're checking the team and the programme and they're having a, a cup of tea at half time and it's very, very sanitised. But you've still got a lot of people who have bought into the idea that it's more than that. And with tickets being so scarce, scarce as well, you get the ticket and it's like it's your passport to the old school of what football's gone used to be like that you've heard about. And then you get in there and, you know, all bets are off. And if there's enough people around who are kind of um, sharing that that mindset, it can kick off a bit. But 
I think with the media, you can't have both ways. And the yeah, the the Premier League sells itself like this, and then when it happens, they still have the sort of the the front to to pretend they're against it. With the media pearl clutching of it, it is the the people who might say this is terrible, but then on another hand, say oh it's the great atmosphere, it's it's the away fans, it's all this stuff, and you can't separate the two. That's the thing. It's like there was I can't remember the name of the Leeds MP that tweeted saying these are not. Real Leeds fans or something. Alex like, Sobel. Of course they're real Leeds fans. Yeah, they should like, be, but it was, the, it was a call for having them banned. These, they should be identified and banned. No, they shouldn't. Of course they shouldn't. These are, these. of course these are Leeds fans. These are the biggest Leeds these fans. These are the hardcore These ones, are the people yeah. with away season tickets and who went to whatever, 15 away games or whatever it was the last time and then people who were amongst a small group of people absolutely desperately refreshing pages on a computer screen trying to get tickets for it. To pretend that these are not real fans is is ridiculous. It's like, what well, if you take those people away, I can tell you now the atmosphere will be crap because yeah. the other people don't sing. These are the absolute core of our support. And it brings it around full circle to our start where we're kind of expected as football supporters to maintain the same high standards as cricket players or even cricket fans. But if we stick to players of going out to the crease and right like two feet away from a player saying lots of horrible things to them to to put them off their game, it's all exactly the same stuff. So let's identify and ban cricket players. Correct. And and just um, to go back to half and half scarves, uh, Stretford Paddock after the game were were chatting outside the stadium. So just to put this into context, now we've decided that we have to be lovely and nice to everybody. Let's call these a pair of twats because one's wearing a Pokemon hoodie, the other one has a half and half. Now, scarf now what's on. wrong with the Pokemon hoodie? Nothing, but the other one's got a half and half. It's, scarf it, okay, it well, does don't look pick bit, on the Pokemon. Hoodie. <laughs> it does look a bit like a child's item of clothing, but that's that's fair <laughs> enough. But yeah, the discussion. What does a football shirt look like? <laughs> that's. A very good point. <laughs> With a name on the back. Okay, yeah. You've... My, I've put, I've put my favourite names, my favourite player's name on the back of my football shirt. And it's Pikachu. And I'm going to go down, <laughs> I'm going to go down to the football game in my top, like dressed like a player because I'm a grown-up. Not a, no Pokemon hoodies for me. That would be childish. That is true. It's a daft kids game. Did I tell you that I was driving through Shipley and saw a man, like middle-aged man, probably about somewhere between 45 and 50, head to toe in a full Liverpool kit? <laughs> I wanted to stop him and just ask him, say, where are you going? What have you been doing? Why are you wearing that? The only possible acceptable use of that outfit is if he'd been playing like five a side. And even then, you don't turn up as a full kit wanker, do you? No, I think you even, even if you've got the shorts, you'd probably wear mismatched ones, wouldn't you, For the just for the day, just so you don't... So you don't look like a full kit so you don't wanker. Have that thing. But yeah, this is talking to some people outside the ground and it's it just sums up. I can't quite grasp why it is they hate it so much. I think it's the use of uh, like an abbreviated position that they need. And see if you can see if you can capture which position they think they need. It's the entitlement that they need yet more players. It's got like a, a weird crossover into. I feel like he probably plays FIFA or champ manager or something. So therefore, like has a set position. They'd be like they've looked at the team on FIFA and gone, oh well, we don't have a stronger position here well, so as X, Y, and Z. When kids are talking about football, kids who play FIFA, like my son has just turned ten, and him and all his mates, they always refer to CAM, CAM, or CDM stuff like that. Yeah. And I think this is what was going on here. Yeah, we need a DM. Give us a DM, then I'll say we have the squad depth to challenge Man City. But you see, without a DM, we end up playing both Scott McTominay and Fred. And to be fair to them, both of them played well today. But with a 38-game season, it might not happen. So we need a DM. We need a DM. Do you echo him? What do you think differently? No, just just uh, just as he said, I think if we just added another DM to our game, and I feel with a DM, with the addition of a DM, that's it. That's all we, all we need. And then... Boom, that's it. We're going to be celebrating like this every single day. <laughs> to me, DM, yep. Danger Mouse. Yep. Well, that's th- all I could hear. That's all I used to get at school because my initials are DM. 
So when he's talking like that, I'm hearing my own name. Defensive mid. They, I mean, need, they need me there and they'll win the league. And he also does list two DMs that they had playing <laughs> and didn't mention Matic, who was also another DM who they brought off the bench, but they need more. How much, how much was Fred? 45 million, something like that. How much was Matic? About 30, something like that. Oh, no, maybe even more. Maybe yeah. he was 40. He's a lot of money they've spent on DMs, but they need another DM. They need a DM. And his mate, his mate agreed. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I did love the desperation in the question there. It was like, what do you think differently? Because I'm not just agreeing with him. Yeah, I need a DM. Well, let's finish then on the final clip of Arsenal Fan TV, the wider world of propaganda, because if there's one thing that will make us feel better on the end of a 5-1 pace thing, it's knowing that Arsenal's fans are in perpetual despair. And it seems to me like they just don't even want to talk about football. AFTV, we got tired, tired. It was, it was uh, um, again, another poor start to the season for Arsenal. Um... You know, I saw you in in a video, you and Jamie Carragher going at it. I don't, well, I didn't I, know, I don't know the guy it was. Um, you got to say when you see that, he's got a point. He's right, isn't he? Black Lives Matter. And I want to say respect to National Health Service, the doctors, the nurses, the volunteers, the key workers, the surgeons, everybody, shop workers, everybody making life better in these in these troubled times. Carragher was right. What do you mean Carragher was well, right? Look what you saw tonight. Ty and Carragher going at it in a video. If you could turn that into a chance, it would be perfect, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just like, you seem to have been wrong in the things you were saying. What have you got to add? He's going, well, it's not about me, it's about the nurses. Yeah, I'm not wrong about that, am I? No, exactly. Yeah, are you saying, you're, saying that, you're saying that the doctors haven't done a good shift? Is that what you're saying? You're saying black lives don't matter? Pathetic, Robbie. Uh, Poor old Robbie. Just out of curiosity, has, have we got any Steve Nicholl yet this season? He was talking, but he wasn't. He's miserable enough, to be honest. I'm saving him up. He was talking about Spurs and Man City and it was all a bit, yeah. Okay, we, we haven't had any reaction. I, I think, let, let's let him warm up properly for the season because if, you, if you're new to this show, by the way, we had clips from Steve Nichol who works for ESPN in America doing their coverage and he's almost like, they're almost laughing at him in the studio given how just morose he is. They are basically always mocking him yeah. because he, he, is, he is really miserable but he's also completely like jumbled up the whole time. It doesn't quite match his dour middle-aged persona that he also is like a, a scatty teenager at times so there'll be more of him to come well that wraps it up then for propaganda for this one hopefully we won't have to do this again well we'll have to hear from manx again unfortunately but we won't have to do anything as sad as this where we've had to cherry pick that man united united this the united way that game the world was watch <sighs> no pack it in uh, we'll be back on the main show after this one. So uh, have a look on your podcast feed and on YouTube as well. Keep an eye out for that. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 